Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. We've been hearing Jesus's uh, intense invective against the Pharisees, the scholars of the law these past many days. And I love how this gospel ends. That uh, After all of this, these woes, woe to you, woe to you. And while I'm at it, you too, scribes and Pharisees, they began to act with hostility towards him. Just sometimes the scriptures just crack me up with how um, uh, understated things are. I don't know. That just gets me. I'm not talking about the gospel today. Again, I want to uh, direct our attention back to the first reading to Romans, though. This reading uh, has served as, in many ways, like the foundation stone, the touch point of uh, the great splintering of the church, right back in the 16th century, the Protestant Reformation under Martin Luther. Um, In particular, the line about uh, saved by faith apart from works of the law. Maybe you've heard the phrase sola fide. It was one of the two rallying cries of Martin Luther, sola fide and sola scriptura. Faith alone and by Scripture alone. What's going on here uh, is something very, very historically significant, psychologically significant, ecclesiologically significant. So what you need to have some background about Martin Luther to kind of understand a little bit about why this was such a powerful passage for him, that he was, uh, he was from Germany. I think a lot of us know that. But he was part of the Observantine religious community. So it was one of the strictest, most intense, severe Um, yeah, religious communities of the day. Um, And Martin Luther himself, he was plagued with uh, scrupulosity, this intense fear and sense that, like, I can never do enough good. I can never do enough penances. I can never pray enough. I can never fast enough. I can never make myself right with God. It was an intense fear that he could never make himself right with God. So in Martin Luther's mind, there was this, um, the frame, the matrix was one of, of balancing the scales. It was a justice model that the problem in his mind was that we were guilty sinners who needed to be acquitted, right? So the, the framework, the lens through which that Martin Luther approached this text was one of Think of like a courtroom. It was, it was juridical, right? The problem was that we are, a, we are guilty sinners who need acquitted. We need someone to stand in our place to take the hit for us and then impute to us justice or righteousness, right? For Martin Luther, he kept saying we are, we are snow-covered dung heaps, that simply God takes the merits, the meritorious sacrifice of Jesus and applies it to us, right? Snow-covered dung heaps. There's no real inner transformation We're just imputed with uh, righteousness. The word righteousness, though, uh, in the Greek is dikaiosune, which does not mean like a balancing of the scales. It's better translated as like rectification, that God is setting right something that's gone wrong. Right? Like when you look at the entire scope of the biblical narrative, when you look at what Jesus says, when you don't just hone in on saved by faith, apart from works of the law, what you see is that like, the framework is not simply that we are guilty sinners needing acquittal. We are wounded children who need healing. 
We are rebel runaways who need to come home. That's the framework. That's the story. That's the story. So the solution to the problem is not just merely in a, a, a declaration of um, your, your innocence or your, your acquittal, right? Because that's what Martin Luther said. He just needed to know, I'm right with God. So he interprets this, we are saved by faith apart from works of the law. He interpreted that as meaning, there's nothing that I can do that would save me. But if I just simply believe, then I'll be saved. See, where he went wrong is, number one, he didn't know what righteousness meant. Number two, he didn't know what works of the law meant. When Paul uses the phrase works of the law, he's not talking about doing good things, doing holy things. He's, Paul is referring to all of the hundreds of prescriptions that come from the like, law of Moses, the ethical norms, the customs, the ritual purifications, all of the outward observances that became part of customary Jewish life. Paul is saying, that stuff doesn't save you. That doesn't save you. The inner transformation that comes about through adhering your life to God through the Greek verb pistis, pistis is where we get the word faith, meaning I like glue myself to this person. That's what saves. That's what saves. And it saves precisely because he is the savior, right? Soter, meaning the one who brings healing. Like, the way we are saved is not by simply Jesus. It's not simply Jesus saying, you're good now. We're saved by being healed. We're saved by, like, the power, the mercy, the beauty, the glory of Jesus' heart reaching into the depths of our brokenness and woundedness to transform it from the bottom up. We're not snow-covered dung heaps. We are, like, we're dung heaps that get transformed into gold. <laughs> right? And how does that happen? We're saved by grace. Charis, which means love, favor. We're saved by his grace, which comes to us in the form of mercy. Right? What did the Psalms say that we just heard? With the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption. With the Lord there is mercy. Mercy, right? Misericordia. It's a compound word, miseria and core, meaning a heart given to misery. A heart given to misery. Where and when is a heart given into misery? Right here, upon this altar. Every single Mass in the Eucharist is the beating heart of God. Every Eucharistic miracle that's ever happened, that flesh, when it's investigated, it's revealed to be heart flesh. It's his heart. He's giving us his heart, right? We're not guilty sinners needing acquittal. We are wounded sons and daughters, rebel runaways who need healing. And the medicine, the salus of the Savior, the salve, gets pressed into our misery in and through the sacraments, most especially the Eucharist, most especially the Eucharist. So Jesus, we are so grateful that you come after us, the good shepherd running after the sheep, the prodigal father running out to meet the runaway. You bind up our brokenness. You pour wine and oil into our wounds. 
that in your mercy you press yourself into those places in us where we think we're most unlovable. And that's what saves. Amen.